0: we're doing a series uh, called Living for Tomorrow Now, okay? Living for Tomorrow, Living for the Future Now, and basically we're looking at Matthew chapter 24 and 25, which is the teaching of Jesus to his disciples concerning the future. He you say, oh, George, we're going to talk about the future. Yeah, actually we are, for one lesson. That's next week. But most of the chapter is spent talking about now. How you live for the future now. In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, he goes into some details, but he doesn't spend a lot of time in details about what's going to take place. We'll talk about that next week. But rather, he talks about you living your life now. How do you live now? Well, I live now waiting for Jesus to come back, and boy, he needs to come back because of what's going on. I understand that. But he gives some clear, specific teaching about how we should be living our lives. He sets it up. We saw it last week by telling us that everything we're going through, these are just the beginning. These are just pointing to what's coming. Today we're going to look at verses 9 through 14, and he's going to talk about the current situation, that you shouldn't be surprised by what's going on. This is just the current situation. Jesus said it's always going to be a part of a life for a believer. And then next week, we're going to look at what's coming. He's going to talk specifically about something that's going to happen, the future reality. And then right after that, he spends a whole lot of parables. He teaches a whole lot of parables telling you how to live your life. And that's what we're doing with this series. So today, we're going to talk about the current situation. And I think this is very applicable to where we are. Why do you say that, George? Well, just look at the news. Or listen to Christian radio. And you'll see what Jesus is talking about, but you're not going to see it in a negative, in a positive light on Christian radio. Actually, what you're going to see is a negative light. What do you mean by that, George? Well, we live in a world right now, I don't know, if you're a student of history, you understand things go ebb and flow. Do you know what I mean by that? They ebb and flow. So in history, you'll see where there's a popularity for Christianity, and then there's a waning, where Christianity becomes unpopular. And then you'll see it go back up where it's popular, then it's unpopular. And if you live life, you see that ebb and flow. Now the problem is, is that most people aren't students of history. And we enjoy when Christianity is really accepted, and then when it's no longer accepted, we're like, oh, what's going on? we got to fight. Actually, you're not going to find anywhere in the Scripture that tells you to fight. Nowhere. Because Jesus, from the very beginning, told you that this is the way it's supposed to be. So you need to learn to live with what's happening. So I want to just talk about that today because there is an ebb happening. Poll after poll is showing people are walking away from the church. Christianity is not being accepted and there are a lot of reasons why for that. Some of it has to do with the political aspect. Some of it has to do with other things. But the reality is that we're living in a time where it's not acceptable anymore. But don't be surprised by that. But here's the misunderstanding. I'm going to point out two things about the misunderstanding. Here's what I want you to see. Number one, there is a misguided concept that the world will like Christians. That's just misguided. I'm going to be honest with you folks. I, I know there's whole strategies about how churches operate that we need to operate in such a way so that everybody will like us. Folks, that's not possible. They're not going to like us. They may accept us because it's popular for the moment, but in reality, they don't necessarily like us or like what we believe. They just have to accept it. Did you understand what I'm saying? They just have to accept it. Haven't you ever been in a situation, I've been in a situation, even with family members, some of my extended family members, who tolerated what I believed for the moment, but then when they got the chance to really speak about what they believed, they let you know right off the bat, they don't agree with anything you say whatsoever, but it's only because you're family, they put up with it. But now put yourself in a situation where you've got other people around you, where they're not family, so they don't have to put up with it. We're in a wrong concept where we try, in fact, there are churches now that are trying to change the message to make us more acceptable. The problem is we're not going to be accepted. Jesus is not going to be accepted. People don't want Jesus and what he stands for. So there's this misguided concept that the world will like Christians. Here's the other one. Second one is this. The second thing I want you to see about this misunderstanding that a lot of us are operating under is that we fail to see the reality of what it means to be a Christian in this world. We fail to see that. See, here's the problem. Can I be honest with you? We, especially in our culture, have set ourselves up for major failure. What do you mean? Well, we have a tendency to compartmentalize everything. Well, you know, there's, there's the way that I am at work, and there's the way that I am with family, and there's the way that I am with my friends. And we also, for, for some of us here, we also have, there's the way that we are at church. Did you understand what I'm saying? And that they don't necessarily mix together. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because we're, we're different people at different times. And we don't necessarily, in this age, communicate that we go to church. But then when people find out, we're shocked that they would be reacting to us. Because we would say, oh, that's just my faith life. See, that's a misunderstanding. We don't, we don't see the reality of being a Christian. Christianity is supposed to permeate all of your life. So it's supposed to affect who you are at home, it's supposed to affect who you are at work, with your friends, who you are by yourself. You know I've said this for years. I you know I used to hear cuz you know I've been pastoring a long time now. I've read this stuff, I've heard people talk about disappointment that they're disappointed with church in general because it let them down with their kids and their kids no longer believe. You can't blame that on the church. Before you blame it on the church, look at yourself in the mirror. Did you and I live out our faith before our children? And even then, there are no guarantees. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even then, there are no guarantees if you live out your faith that they will believe. So you can't blame anyone. Let alone the church. Did you understand what I'm saying? See, we fail to see the reality of what it means to be a believer. You say, Okay, well Joseph how do we come down to reality? How do we get to where it it rubber meets the road? What's it supposed to be like? Well that's what Jesus is going to talk about here in Matthew chapter twenty four verses nine through fourteen. Last week we talked about how he said, don't be freaked out by the wars, don't be freaked out by pestilence, don't be freaked out by false teachers and so forth, don't be freaked out. That's just the beginnings, those are the birth pangs, those are the Braxton Hicks contractions of what's coming. They're just pointing to the reality that something's coming. That's just part of life. Now he's going to talk about, in verses 9-14, through he's going to talk about the way life is right now, and you need to grasp that. So let's look at these verses together. Look with me. Verse 9. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because of lawlessness because and because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold but he who endures to the end shall be saved and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come All right, now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take Jesus' teaching about the current situation that you and I need to understand. And so that we understand what he's talking about, we're going to divide it in three more sections here. Okay, so we're going to talk about opposition. Reality is, is you're going to face opposition. Okay? Then we're going to talk about spiritual darkness. There's a spiritual darkness in this world that you need to understand, and it affects us, and it can affect you. Alright? And then we're going to see a promise. A promise? That was a pretty heavy passage, George. That's pretty gloom and doom. Where's the promise there? Well, there is a promise. We're going to focus in on that. So let's talk about opposition. Okay? Let me just make a point to you. Remember I told you that we are misguided in our thinking to think that everybody's going, in the world's going to like Christianity. That's misguided. How do I know that? Well, because every book of the new testament tells you that if you follow jesus if you're a believer you aren't going to be liked you're going to be rejected and that if they would reject jesus they'll reject you bottom line you just need to understand that you need to grasp it you just need to live with it because it's a trap anyhow right you guys know it's a trap just in your... Forget about Christianity for a moment. If you live trying to please everybody, you know that's an endless trap, right? Because the fact of the matter is is you can't please everybody, right? Yeah, you can't. And if you operate trying to make everybody make think like you, you're going to be running in every direction. Because the fact of the matter is people aren't going to like you. And sometimes it doesn't even have anything to do with you. It has to do with whether or not they got their morning coffee. Do you know what I'm saying? It has to do with who cut them off before they got to you. Or whether or not they're struggling with a head cold. Or whether or not they're a morning person. You, I, I'm, I'm not married to a morning person. And my youngest is not a morning person. And they're the only two at home right now, so I've got to be careful. So it's not possible to have everybody like you, right? But for some reason, we think that as Christians, everybody's supposed to like us. But Jesus tells you right off the bat, they're not. You're going to have opposition. And it's going to take place in several directions. Here's what I want you to see about the opposition. Two things, okay? Two things I want you to see. The followers of Jesus will face persecution from the world. They'll face persecution from the world. And folks, when I talk about persecution, I'm not talking about somebody's going to arrest you and beat you. That might happen at some point. But right now the chances of that happening are not. But you might have somebody mock your faith. You might have somebody say you're crazy. You might have somebody say you're bigoted. That might happen. That does happen, doesn't it? And it comes from, isn't it interesting, it comes from not just from people outside the world, it can come from in your own family. What are you, some kind of holy roller? That happens. That was persecution, folks, in its own form. Rejecting what? Your faith. You go through that. You go through that at all. See, that's part of life. Now, in some places, it's intense. In some places around the world, it's not accepted and they're persecuted by the government or by others. But see, that's, Jesus is telling us right up front that's what it means to be a follower. Just expect that people aren't going to like you. Why? Because they don't like Jesus. Bottom line. Because they don't like Jesus. Here's the second thing I want you to see. The persecution will come from all directions. Here's what he's saying. All directions. So he, he makes this point in these two verses. Look at what he says. Look with me. Verse 9. They will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. You will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another, and... And we'll hate one another. That next verse, verse 10, is talking about personal relationships. So here's the point I want you to see. Persecution will come from all directions. Society, family, and friends. Society, family, and friends. Society, because it will get to the point where you're not tolerated. You'll be seen as a negative on society. But it also will happen from family. Family will resent you. Family will hate you. You say, that's not possible in a family. Really? Really? You need to talk to somebody because you might meet somebody even here today that has a family member that doesn't care for them. And they don't know what they did, but they just know that right now their family member hates them. And it may not even have anything to do with Jesus. That kind of stuff happens, doesn't it? Let's wake up to reality. But sometimes the hatred and the offense takes place because you what? Believe. Because you're a follower of Jesus. And so they say to you, well, you think you're better. You ever had that one told to you? No, I don't think I'm better. And sometimes, folks, can I be honest with you? Sometimes it doesn't even have to do with anything you say or do. I remember the story years ago when Billy Graham was alive. Billy Graham loved to golf. I don't know why anybody would golf. And my son does. He do, he golfs. But I don't. Following a little bitty white ball around, digging holes in the dirt with your club. Well, listen. Billy Graham used to play in these AM pro, amateur pro golf tournaments. And the story is is that he played one of these tournaments, and the group of guys that he went around with, one of the pros went back to the locker room, and he got to the locker room, and he's slamming the door on his locker, and he's saying, oh, that Billy Graham! Ah!" And another pro who was standing there said, wow, Billy must have been pretty rough on you. What did he say? And the guy who was slamming the stuff around and cursing Billy Graham stopped for a moment and he looked down at the ground and he said, He didn't say anything. He didn't say anything. It's what he represented. Do you understand? See, ultimately, when people reject your Jesus, it's because they reject what Jesus stands for. And you just happen to what? Represent him. See, persecution will come from all directions. Now, I'm again, I'm going to tell you this. You go to any New Testament book, and it's there. A constant reminder that you're going to be rejected. The people aren't going to like what you believe. You just need to accept that. You need to understand that. You need to live with that. Do you, know, you know what I'm saying? We learn to adjust, right? Like, I know in a room like this, do you have people who don't like you? Anybody here have anybody? That, don't raise your hand. Oh, he's got somebody doesn't. I'll raise my hand. There are people who don't like me. Bottom line. So what do you do? You learn to what? Adjust, because you will meet them again, right? At Walmart. I know what you do, because I do it. Oh, there they are, you drive down the other aisle. Because you adjust, right? So adjust to the reality that because of faith, you're not going to be accepted. There will be opposition. Opposition here's the other thing I want you to see Jesus tells us about our current situation and that's spiritual darkness look with me at what he says in verse 11 then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many and because of law because lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold all right here's what I want you to see all right Spiritual darkness. The first one, he's already mentioned it to us several times. He's already talked to us about that it's just the part of the beginning of everything that's going on. It's this whole issue of false teachers. You've got to be aware. Just like Jesus is telling you that you're going to suffer for your faith because you believe, you are also going to be attacked, hindered, influenced by false teachers if you don't realize it. And, folks, they're on your TV and on your radio, they're in your bookstore, they're on the internet. They are constantly purveying lies to deceive you concerning the grace that you have in Jesus Christ. Just being honest with you. And they're there. They're real. They're on television right now. One of the biggest lies that is out there is that God wants you to be what? Healthy and wealthy. And if you're not healthy and wealthy, it's because you don't have enough what? Faith. Folks, nobody has enough faith. Seems to me the only people who are getting healthy and wealthy are what? The guy telling you to be healthy and wealthy. By the way, send him a seed gift of $100. They're out there. But it's not just those guys like that. There are guys who are even in some of our Bible believing churches who are suddenly teaching things to you that are wrong, deceiving you. So here's what I want you to see about this spiritual darkness aspect. Number one, false teachers will emer- emerge and deceive many with a false gospel. Bottom line, false teachers will emerge and deceive many with a false gospel. And folks, they're not from outside of the church. They come up from inside of the church. You've got to be on guard for false teachers. False teachers. Test everything. I'm going to be honest with you. Listen to me. It is not a compliment to George to say, Wow, George, I've learned so much from you. That's not a compliment to me. A better compliment would be, Wow, George, I've learned so much from the Bible. What does that tell you? You allow the Bible to teach you, not some man. Do you understand? That's a better compliment. That you learn to read your Bible and that you test everything that is said by the Bible. Do you understand? You know, because I've been suddenly trying to mislead you guys for years and you won't get, you won't grasp onto it. What do you mean? I've been trying to tell you that perfect, perfect people with Jesus eat cheeseburgers and drink sweet tea. You haven't grasped that yet. How do I know that? Because when we go to the church picnic, you guys want chicken. Because we see through you, George. Yeah, because you study the word. You know that that has nothing to do with your acceptance with Jesus, right? And we're joking about that. But listen, you've got to be standing on your own two feet, right? Because there will be people out there to deceive you. Here's the second thing. This is the one that I think explains a lot about what's going on right now. Look at what it says. In verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. What's he talking about, the love of many? Well, the love of Jesus will grow cold. That's the love he's talking about here. Here's the second thing I want you to see here about spiritual darkness. As the rejection of God increases, many will walk away from Jesus. Aren't we saying that? Aren't we seeing and watching people that should know better, that grew up listening and hearing, all of a sudden deciding to walk away from the faith because what the world has to offer is what seems to be better? Jesus told us it was going to be like that. That's just part of spiritual darkness, isn't it? That as wickedness increases in the world, Lawlessness increases. The rejection of God. The love of many will what? The love of many for Jesus will what? Grow cold. Now, some of you are like, well, I don't know if I agree with that, George, because you know, don't we believe that once saved, always saved, and so we're going to be okay? Yeah, I understand that. I believe that. But it also tells me very clearly that there will be some who, who seem like they know But their desire and their love for Jesus will what? Diminish, disappear, and they'll walk away. How's that possible? That's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. Isn't that the world we live in right now? That's the world we live in. We shouldn't be shocked, should we? We say, wow, George, you know what? You just talked to us earlier. You prayed about coming in here and finding Jesus and being, sensing his presence in our lives and then you bring this message and holy cow, this is heavy. This has been gloom and doom. Yeah, but the wonderful thing about Jesus is even though he tells you reality, he gives you a promise. He gives you something to hold on to. And that's what we're going to see in verses 13 and 14. Okay? Notice with me the promise. Okay? There's actually two promises. Right? But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Two things I want you to see about the promise. Here's the first one. Those who faithfully follow Jesus to the end will be saved. That's the promise. What's he saying here? He's saying, guys, I know that right now you live in a world where things aren't good. Guys, right now... I know you live in a world where there are people who don't like you because of me, Jesus is saying. I know right now that you're going to go through intense stuff in this world, but I'm telling you, hang on, because if you hang on to your faith and you hang on in your trust to the end, you'll be saved. We say, "Why well, are I saved right now? Yes, but salvation is a threefold process, folks. Salvation, what do you mean a threefold process? Theologically, salvation happens in three phases. There's the initial phase, you are saved, you're justified. There is the sanctification process, which is the process that all of us are going through right now, where we're being saved, we're being made to be like Jesus. That's where the Holy Spirit deals with you about the junk in your life. And then it says that you are going to be saved. That is what? You will be glorified. That is, you will go to be with Jesus. You'll no longer have this body, you'll have a whole new body, a body that's not interested in sin, a body that will be redeemed. You'll be saved, fully saved. That's what he's talking about here. Hang on. Don't give in. Don't throw in the towel. Just hang on. You say, how long do I need to hang on? Just hang on. It's kind of like you ever been on a road trip with mom and dad, and dad, like me, is like wanting to get there, and you gotta go to the bathroom. Dad, where are we gonna get there? Hang on! Few more miles, which turns out to be another 20 minutes, right? Well, it's kind of like that. Hang on. Hold on to your faith. Because it's coming. Salvation is coming. Here's the second thing it tells us. And this is the promise that you and I need to grasp. Because, you know, we live in a world right now where, you know, because things are changing and because people get elected or not elected and, 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 and we see things different and people don't seem to like Christians anymore or, or blah, 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 and it just goes on and on. You'll hear people say, this is the end. This is the tribulation. Jesus is coming. Actually, no. How do I know that? because of the next promise. Look at what he says. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. All right, here's here's the second thing. The gospel of Jesus will be preached to all the nations in the world. That's a promise. Jesus is saying, you need to realize it, that The gospel is going to be preached to all the nations. Now, let me just stop for a moment. You need to understand something. When it says nations here, it is not like our understanding of nations. We think of nations in terms of borders. United States, Mexico, Canada, Russia, China, Saudi Arabia, the Congo, South Africa. We think in terms of borders. That's what we think in terms of nations. That is not the concept of nations in the New Testament. The word actually is the word from which we get ethnic. It refers to people groups. It's referring to the ethnicities. Jesus is saying that all the ethnicities of the world will hear The gospel. I can already tell you right now, folks, there are still 5,000 people groups who have yet to hear the name of Jesus. 5,000 people groups who have yet to hear the name of Jesus. Then notice what the promise is. They will hear. Then notice the last phrase. Then the end will come. Seems like we've got a big work to do, don't we? See, that's the promise. Hold on. In the end, people will hear about Jesus. Then the end. Then the end. That's the current situation. You say, okay, George, what do we do with this? Two thoughts, okay? Number one. Number one, you have to be realistic about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You have to be realistic. Realistic. Here, I'm just going to be honest with you, I see this all the time, I meet people for the moment, and actually this is what the parable of the sower is in the very same gospel we're looking at here. Jesus talks about the sower goes out to sow the seed, and there are four different types of people who accept the gospel, but two of them, actually three of them, don't end up well. And I have seen that, and you have seen that where people start out all excited about Jesus and the church thing, and then life happens, and guess what? You don't see them anymore. What happened? Well, somehow they didn't understand what it meant to follow Jesus. And listen, folks, for you and I, We need to be realistic about what it means to follow Jesus. Following Jesus doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. Do you understand me? Following Jesus does not mean you're not going to have problems. Following Jesus does not mean that everybody's going to like you and you're Jesus. Do you understand? You've got to be realistic about that. That needs to be... Part of you, you need to understand that with the turf of being a follower of Jesus, there are going to be what, folks? Problems. Problems. Here's the second thing. Hold on to your faith in spite of what's happening around you. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you are like on the edge of just walking away because things are so intense right now in your life. You've asked God to do something for you and it seems like he's not listening to you. So you're kind of like, well, I'm done. If you're not going to help me, listen, you just hold on. He doesn't communicate the way that you communicate. It doesn't mean that he's not working. He probably already is working and you're not even aware of it. But you hold on. Hold on in the midst of whatever it is at work you're facing because people don't like you because you follow Jesus. Hold on in the midst of your family situation because maybe you've got a loved one or something that's rejecting faith right now. Hold on. Hold on in spite of all that you're going through. Hold on to your faith. Hold on to the promise. Because one, one day, things will get better. They may not get better here, but they will be better later on. Do you understand? Listen, do you hear me? Nobody promises you better now. Don't walk away from here saying, well, it's going to get better now. No, no, nobody promises you that. But you are promised a better later. When you go to be with Jesus and he wipes away every tear. And there will be no more sickness and no more death. For the old things have passed away. So hold on. Hold on. Let me pray for you.